1: So Todd McShay, Todd 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 says the worst kept secret in the NFL is that the Bucks will draft Florida State safety Derwin James number seven overall. Is he right, or do the Bucks like Mika Fitzpatrick better? What about Quentin Nelson? What if he's still there? And what running back will they target in the first or second round? Maybe Newsley is the third or fourth if they got a third round pick. We'll answer all your draft questions in our popular mailbag segment today. And the Lightning. Well, they're going to play the winner of tonight's game seven between Boston and Toronto on Saturday, but the times may vary. We'll tell you when that's going to take place. All that and more in this Wednesday edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud, of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Verstik. Before we get started, I want to tell you about a special offer from Audible.com. Sign up now and get a free 30-day trial. That's a fifteen-dollar value, and as a listener to this podcast, you also get a free audiobook. Just go to audibletrial.com/sportsday for a free 30-day trial. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash sportsday for a free 30-day trial and a free audio book. So, Steve, we've had lots of questions. We are just T-minus really one day, uh, 8 p.m. Thursday, I believe it begins. The NFL draft is finally here after what seems to be about a year and a half of speculation. (laughs) I'll tell you what, this draft has been... Uh, very interesting, and I think it's going to be one of the, it's certainly going to be one of the most watched because it's on like every network. But I, I think with the movement, there's going to be more trades in this draft um, than we've ever seen, and it's and, and the quarterbacks and the fact that there could be as many as four in the top six or seven picks, maybe even the four in the top five. You could have probably five quarterbacks, maybe even six, go in the first round. It's going to be fascinating to see just all, all the all the things that happen, and i got my ideas on what might happen but um i don't know i'm kind of i'm kind of intrigued by this draft i think it's it's one that's going to keep people's attention at least on thursday
2: yeah i mean normally you're talking about two maybe three quarterbacks that we that you really focus on but you know as you said four could go in the top 5 or 6 picks and five or six in the first round it is it's an unusual draft with that many high quality quarterbacks in it and you
1: don't know what order. I mean, this is the other thing. Like a lot of times, you'll say, "Well, it's it's either Ryan Leaf, you know, or, um, or or you know Peyton Manning, right? Or or it's you know Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota. What order? Well, you can't even really hone in on that. I mean, it could
2: be Sam Donald. It could be well, and, you know, and add to the fact that Cleveland, who's got the number one pick, also has the number four pick. That's so right. they could take they could take a non-quarterback with the first pick. And come back and get get their quarterback and get one of the top three quarterbacks with the fourth Mm -hmm. pick if they choose. So you don't even know what they're going to do yet when it comes to that because you know, there is some talk that they want Saquon Barkley and aren't sold on any of the quarterbacks, so Mm -hmm. they're happy with any one of the three or four they get. I got the perfect plan for the Cleveland Browns, and
1: uh, we can get into that. Well, we'll get into it now. I'll just say real quick. If I'm the Cleveland Browns, here's what I do. I take Saquon Barkley number one overall. And that's because the Giants absolutely want to take Saquon Barkley. I'm not sure the Giants will take a quarterback if Saquon is gone. Um, but what I would do after taking Saquon Barkley, since I have the fourth overall pick, and I know I've just ruined the Giants' day, I would then say to the Giants, look, I will trade you my fourth overall pick in something else to move up two more spots and have the number two pick as well. And then I get my choice of quarterbacks. I get the best player in the draft in Saquon Barkley. The Giants only have to move to four. We know the Jets are taking a quarterback at three. So the Giants would have their choice of you know, either Bradley Chubb or Quentin Nelson if they didn't want to go with a quarterback. Well, they certainly could there, but they could they even trade down again.
2: I was going to say, I if think, I'm the Giants and if, if Saquon Barkley is the pick you want, you don't get him? You're trading down. There's going to be teams Absolutely. that want to get their pick of the quarterback. They, I mean, you know, you know, two weeks ago, no one thinks Darnold's a possibility at even number two. Right Now he is. Or if it's Rosen's guy. Or Josh Allen. I mean, you're going to get your pick if you want to trade up to number, if you're Buffalo, if you're, you know, Arizona. Any one of, the, Arizona, any one of those teams that need it. Or even somebody who's, you know, sitting at four, five, or six that needs a right. quarterback.
1: Look, even, even the – I mean, this is the thing. Even the Jets may, may be nervous that somebody would get in front of them and get their guy. Right. So exactly. They, they, may, they want to up. move up. Yeah, they may want to move up again. I mean, but Cleveland, to me, this would be the I mean, can you imagine if you walked out of there? We, had, we ended up with the first two picks. We got the best player and the best quarterback. I mean, that would be awesome. Ward. No, they're guaranteed no worse. If they moved, if they waited at four and the Giants cho- did, chose not to take a quarterback, although I'm with you, I think somebody would jump up to get them. Um, you're guaranteed no worse than the third quarterback, you know what I mean, in the entire draft. So, Or maybe
2: Cleveland will trade their next three number ones to get a number one this <laughs> round and then trade their number well, twos and then – oh, wait, that's a movie. Yeah. I'm sorry.
1: Well, I, can I tell you something? Kevin Costner needs to be in charge of this draft, man, because this this is the exact – you know, they're going to go quarterback, they're going to go quarterback, and boom, he takes another guy, and then he goes back and gets the quarterback. I mean, this is the exact scenario that uh, you can make movies about. So – I don't know. I'm going to be fascinated. I think there's going to be a lot of movement. There's a, there's a lot of line going on. Um, but I absolutely do believe that the one thing I'm sure of is that the Giants probably want Saquon Barkley more than they want any of these quarterbacks, and that would blow their day if somehow Cleveland goes that way instead. But anyway, we got lots of questions about the Bucks to get to, so I'll let you get started.
2: All right, we're going to start with uh, Radcliffe623 asked, Please tell me that if Nelson drops to us at 7, Light is going to take him. I know the secondary needs help he's the best player in the draft in my opinion and would make our o-line a top line wow that's that's hitting me right off the top about what my philosophy is
1: or what i think the bucks philosophy is you hear a lot of things um this time of year and most of them are lies and so you got to kind of there are certain people you trust in the organization and ones that you know have lied to you and will again um so i'll just say that you know if they stay at seven and quarterbacks go ahead of them. And Nelson is is the last guy of the three we've talked about with Barkley and, and Bradley Chubb. Um, and they're staring there also at, you know, some help they need in the secondary. Um, I just personally believe that there are people at One Buck Place who feel that while the needs are great on defense, probably greater. Actually, they're greater at corner than they are at safety even, but let's just say defense in general. Um, that Nelson is is too highly rated player. There are many people that think that Nelson might be the second best overall player in the draft. Um, and, and clearly the Bucks are not in it for a quarterback. So if you remove them, then you would say, you know, it's not a reach to say, okay, Barkley would be one. And then maybe Nelson or Chubb are two and three. So you could arguably get the second best overall player in the draft at number seven. And then I think, you know, it's sort of beauties in the eye of the beholder with the safety. You know, you like Mika Fitzpatrick. You like um, Derwin James. I mean, there's a lot of that that's, that sort of just depends on scheme and, you know, how you evaluate guys, what you're going to do with them. So, yeah, to answer uh, Radcliffe's question here, um, I really do believe that uh, he's – one I would agree that he's one of the best players in the draft, and I think it would help their offensive line. Remember – and this might steer some of the decision making too. Is that, you know, the tackle, DeMar Dotson, has just undergone a meniscus surgery now. To what extent, there's lots of variations of that. But nonetheless, he's, he's going into his ninth or tenth year, and he's going to miss all of OTAs. We don't know what his availability will be in training camp. So you're looking at the prospect of having to move Kalen Benenacht to right tackle, at least to start the year. And Caleb is very capable of playing that. The original intention was to play him at guard, but that depends on the draft. So this might actually help you um, sort of solidify that, you know, that offensive line. If you get Nelson, plug him in, you know, next to Ryan Jensen and and then Ali Marpet on the other side, and you've got a pocket that can form in front of Jameis Winston so he can step up, you really don't have to worry that much about what's coming off the edge because... Those guys are going to protect inside, and, and that's that's where you really need it. So, yeah, I would say that if Nelson falls to seven,
2: I really would be surprised if they didn't take him. All right. So, uh, Dylan asked, Why would we draft a slot corner at number seven? I'm highly skeptical of Bama DBs. They always play with a great front seven, making their secondary look much better. For instance, Ha Ha Landon Collins, Seth yeah, Jones, a lot Derek of guys. Patrick.
1: Yeah, and I actually think those guys are pretty good players. I mean, I I uh, I know what he's saying. He's skeptical of them, but I mean, Landon Collins is a Pro Bowler. Um, ha ha. Clinton Dix has been a good player, so
2: but you worthy know, but worthy of a number seven pick.
1: Well, and and that's the thing. Um, it, it's look for the safety position. Um, that's that's a pretty high value. I mean, it really is. It's it's up there, and and you know, typically, you know, the value charts are sort of, you know, you start with the quarterback and then you start with people that can affect the quarterback, okay? So that's usually an edge rusher or someone who can protect the quarterback like a, a left tackle. Um, and then you, from there you move further away from the ball and say, well, a corner can certainly affect the quarterback. So, so that's sort of where it is. Safety is just one of those, you know, positions that are, is hard to put a value on because it all depends on who he is. And, and how you're going to use them. I will say um, that, uh, and I was reading this by uh, Matt Baker, had this stat in his paper, paper, in our paper, not his paper, it's our paper, in the TampaBay.com, Tampa wow, it's been a long day, um, that there have been, uh, the NFL lists nine pure safeties that have been drafted in the top ten since 1991. So nine pure safeties in the top ten since 1991. Six of them have made at least a, one Pro Bowl, and the seventh, which is Jamal Adams, started every game as a rookie last season for the Jets, so he could make one as well here down the line. So for the ones that are rated that high, as I think both uh, Derwin James and Minka Fitzpatrick are going to be, the odds are that the history shows us they're going to be Pro Bowl type players. So I think I think you know, again, every, every player is different, but um, you know, I, I guess it's a roundabout way of saying. That uh, yeah, I think a player could go. I think I think a safety could go that high, and I know why you're skeptical. Especially, I think the biggest thing that people are skeptical in this town is Mark Barron. Mark Barron, for all the world, um, looks an awful lot like you know what what Mika Fitzpatrick does when he was in college. Mark Barron didn't have any really a lot of ball skills. I think Fitzpatrick does, um, but. You know, they didn't quite know where to fit him. It, it turned out, you know, the Rams figured out that he was really kind of a hybrid linebacker and that he was good close to the ball and he was good against the run. Um, didn't cover well in a lot of space, so they didn't want to play him down in the deep middle. Um, so they kind of they kind of figured out what to do with him. But, um, but I think that's why people are skeptical of him anyway.
2: All right. So uh, Nelson asked, do you know if they have a higher grade on Fitzpatrick or Derwin James? I don't know, and they
1: have not shown their board, although I, I intend to go in there tomorrow and, and ask to see it. Um, I'm sure that'll go, go they, well. They won't show it to me anyway. Uh, my information, for what it's worth, folks, is that Derwin James is a, a better fit. And when I say that, I don't know he's going to be a better player. It's just that with Minka, you sort of – I mean, he's just sort of – Hybrid, he can do a lot of things, right? Which is good. uh Jalen Ramsey was that kind of guy in, in a sense, um but ended up playing corner and playing outside and doing well. But the thing is, you know, with Derwin, you know what he is. He's he's going to be your strong safety. I mean, and that works for the Bucks because you know Justin Evans is their free safety. He's always going to be their center fielder. They love his range. They love his ball skills. They they want him in that middle of the field, um, and James is going to play on the strong side where the tight end is, and he's going to he's going to be sort of a Ginzu knife. He can cover. He can rush off the edge. He can set the edge. He can he can play the run. Um, he can blitz. You know, so he can do so much down in that. I mean, we saw what, for example, John Lynch would do, uh, a lot of those things. So I you know. I think James is a better fit. I don't know. I, I, because of that, I've heard that James is rated higher for the Bucs. But the other guy, Fitzpatrick's really impressive when you talk to him. He's just – look, those Alabama guys have been playing in pro set defenses, and they're really smart. And I think, I think because Fitzpatrick has played so many different positions, he probably sees the game better and, and probably is a little more ready to play at a high level. But the, I, I tend to think that they have James rated higher.
2: All right. So J P asks if they choose to add safety to the mix, it would be strong, correct? And does their investment in re-upping Conte and Tandy preclude this? Uh, no, it doesn't preclude it at all um,
1: because those guys are essentially on one-year deals, and um, they're both, you know, useful veterans. I think in Tandy's case, you know, if he'd been able to find a job as a guy that was going to play a lot, he would have left Tampa Bay. But, um, but they like him because he's that, you know, plug-and-play journeyman sort of not journeyman he's played for one team but sort of veteran guy that doesn't need a lot of reps we saw him two years ago come in and have what four interceptions in the final five games and he actually started training camp last year as a starter uh, until they decided that Justin Evans they just had to put him out on the field and let him go Uh, and then you know um, Conte they really like but he's you know we all know what Chris Conte is he's a kind of a freakish athletic guy but you know, really hasn't made enough plays to say, well, you know, we're good there. So I don't think, I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think that you cover yourself in free agency and these guys would have been free agents in some cases um, so that you have to go out there and you're not hostage to the position. Um, so, but it, yes, it would be a strong safety. I mean, that, that again, that's the position they need. Um, they're They're interchangeable at times, but... For the most part, they want Justin
2: Evans, you know, playing center field. All right. Snug Smith asked, if they were to draft Fitzpatrick, where would that put Vernon Hargraves? It's a great question. And I think this gets
1: back to what, you know, Jason Light, when I asked him about Minka Fitzpatrick uh, was saying, and that is that, you know, Mike Smith would have to understand, would have to explain to, you know, the GM and the head coach, you know, we have a plan. Here, here's how we plan to use all these guys. Here's how they all fit. And there would seem to be a little bit of duplication in that they've kind of said that, you know, Vernon Hargraves is a slot corner. Well, that's really what Minka Fitzpatrick was at Alabama. Now, you know, they've also said you don't draft a slot corner first in the first round or certainly in the top 10. And they've already done that, as it turns out, with Vernon Hargraves. I'm still not sold that Hargraves can't play outside. Um, This is a big year for him, and, you know, we had the whole Instagram smoking video, what have you. Um, So, you know, that's not going to endear him with anyone. Um, But he was playing okay football until he injured his hamstring late last year, although he was playing better inside. Uh, And I I think he'll play nickel, but they need to also not quite give up on him playing outside. So if they got Minka, it may force them. To see if Hargraves can go back out there, because um, I really don't know. You know, I mean, Minka would be a safety, and you know, the slot corner is more. And when you go, when teams go three wide receivers, they're both going to play. Your slot corner is going to play uh, against the, you know, one of the three wides in the slot, and then you know, Fitzpatrick is going to still be a safety on in that alignment because you're going to go to five defensive backs. So it's not, a, it's not, you know, it doesn't exclude one if you draft the other. But it, it is interesting
2: that they sort of kind of play the same position. All right, we'll switch. Rick now asks, or I'm sorry, Bucks fan, uh 8251 asks, do you expect them to target a running back in round two? Um, round two,
1: and they don't have a three, so that would be two or four at this point, unless they're able to trade down and get a three. Um, I think they have to come out of this, certainly with a running back, and absolutely with a corner, um, something that can play outside. Because if you look at the way, they're, the way they are now, assuming that Hargraves can't go out there or they're not real confident or they would say so, I mean, Brent Grimes is 35 years old, right? Um, so Ryan Smith, I know is was his first year playing corner in the NFL, didn't make a great accounting of himself. I mean, he seems like just a guy. He'll be better this year. Um, but I think they have to address the corner position. It's just for the fact that, you know, one guy is not really lived up to his billing and the other guy's old as dirt. Uh, although he plays at a high level and I like Brent Grimes, I don't mean to call him dirt, but I just did. But I, I, I still think that, that that's a key position. Now, whether you take the corner and then the running back or the running back and then the corner kind of depends on when that run starts. Because I think you're gonna see a run on running backs. That's usually what happens. One position or the other starts to get, you know, picked apart. And the good news is there's so many good running backs in this draft that you can get probably all the way through to the fourth round. I would prefer if I were the Bucks, I think I might look at it early, especially if I use my first pick on a defensive back. I mean, I don't know that I'm gonna go safety then corner. So I would look at, you know, Sony Michelle may make it to the second round or Nick Chubb, those two guys from Georgia. Darius Geis, to me, I think the Bucks probably like as much or more than anybody. Um, he may be gone in the first round. you got Ronald Jones at USC. Rashad uh, Penny another guy that they've spent a lot of time looking at. So there's a lot of running backs. I would be shocked if the Bucks don't come out of this draft with a running back that they take fairly high because for all the lip service that they've had about Peyton Barber and you know we know Jacquez Rodgers can be a third down guy, they have to be able to run the football better. And obviously they didn't think Doug Martin
2: was the answer. So you've got to start over. All right, John asks. Any chance of a surprise for the Bucks with just two days left before the draft? Um, the surprise would be.
1: To me, the surprise. Well, before the
2: draft, probably not. I mean, I- hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
1: I don't see a surprise before the draft, in, in as much as I guess you would say they'd have to trade out We've seen some trades, you know, obviously Indianapolis move back, you know, presumably they could get out of seven and, and drop or they could move up, you know, they can make a deal um, to get higher if they felt like we're going to get shut out of our guy. I just don't know that you can make that trade now unless you're going for a quarterback and unless you went all the way to number two or something like that with the Giants. So we know they don't want a quarterback. Um, they're not guaranteed to get Barkley. So who would they be moving up for? I think you would move up for Barkley. I think you might move up for Bradley Chubb if you thought he was absolutely, you know, your future. Because I mean, even though they sign, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul, he's 29 years old, and even though they have Vinnie Curry, that's you know one young defensive end who might play inside some. So unless you were guaranteed and you went all the way up to two, possible, you know, the Jets aren't moving out at three. Then I don't actually. S- See as a prize or a trade, unless you're on the clock and you and other teams can see who's there for them.
2: All right, TL asks, do you see any way Taven Bryan out of Florida could slip to our second round pick? Taven Bryan, <laughs> Taven Bryan
1: has played a little bit of football at Florida. He's, uh, you know, I saw a thing where he was projected as high as a first rounder, which I guess you know, again, you're talking about the value of the position, right? A guy that can come off the edge if you need him to. Um, you know, he's 6'5. He's 291 pounds. So, you know, kind of a freakish athletically. He ran a 4.98. Um, I have seen where he's been projected as high as the first round. I think he'll be in there in the second round. I don't know what they feel about Taven. I mean, I just don't. But there are some people that think that, you know, he still gets knocked off the ball too much and um, he doesn't have a real wide base as, as athletically. Um, so I, again, that's, do I see any way he could slip to their second round? Yeah, I think he could definitely slip to the second round, but remember, you know, the bucks are picking fairly high in the second round. So, um, I'm not, I'm not sure that that's the way they would go, but maybe, maybe you're onto something. I have not heard him as, you know, somebody that, uh, that they're enamored with, but you never know. So those are all really good questions and, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll, I'll field more for you on online you can certainly reach us at twitter at sports Day or me at nfl Stroud. and we'll talk more about the draft coming up boys just i'm glad it's finally here i'm just i'm overdrafted i'm over analyzed I'm, I'm just you know we do so much of this stuff and really nobody knows anything until until thursday comes and even the teams i've talked to so many guys on the box and they're like look we don't know Who's telling us what really is happening? You know, in front of us. But I do expect a lot of trades. I do think we'll be
2: surprised the order of the quarterbacks, and that'll certainly affect the Bucks' pick. So, here's one more question for you: the, dra- the draft this year is in Dallas. Yes, in Chicago previously. That what they did Philly a couple years ago, I believe. Philly last year, I think. Any yeah. chance Tampa Bay gets a draft?
1: No. <laughs> you know what's going to happen? Uh, like every other event that the NFL has. The draft is going to be moving to l a the, the when that stadium is done, that will be i think home of the combine' you know, there's talk, Yeah, gonna, there's talk
2: the combine's going to move there too they've right?
1: already taken you know n f l network which is a huge production piece out there in in los angeles that is going to be housed at that stadium mm-hmm. i mean it, it's actually going to be the headquarters of n f l network and so you know you look at all the events are going to have super Bowls multiple Super Bowls it'll be in the rotation probably very often um I I don't yeah I don't see Tampa getting a combine I mean I, they they could bid for it but right now they're just fortunate they got the Super Bowl
2: so Sam Farmer will start asking Roger Goodell when are you going to stop bringing NFL stuff to L A again
1: <laughs> yeah because I mean they got everything it's so funny that was a funny story he told last night but I mean it's it's true it's like L A this is the this is going to be um, the league stadium in a sense and you've got two teams that are there like much like MetLife but. Um, you know, second largest media market, um, good weather for the most part year round, uh, so many things that they're, they're going to really, they're going to really showcase this stadium and it'll be bigger than any, any, you know, when I say bigger, it'll be more bells and whistles than Jerry world, which is probably the greatest stadium going right now. Um, it's going to be really something. So I I don't see Tampa getting the draft, but that'd be nice.
2: wouldn't have to travel, although you don't travel for the drafts so.
1: I don't. People ask me that. I did one time. I did go to uh, New York City when um, Joe McCoy was the third pick overall, and and we weren't really sure uh, whether it was going to be Sue or McCoy. Um, And so I went to New York, and it was really cool. The access is – it's a great event to cover because you have great access. You get the players right away. Their families are there. Um, Really a cool thing to witness. And that was when it was at, you know, what, down in Times Square someplace Mm -hmm. um, at at one of the places. But – um, yeah it was fun. It was a good time. It's very it's a different from the run.
2: NHL draft and I've covered the last four NHL drafts. That's really understated, right? The NHL Where, draft is the NHL kind of- draft, all the head guys are at the table. You're watching them. I mean, you're sitting there before draft picks and you're seeing you know, a table. Let's say the Lightning are coming up, maybe they're four or five picks away, and you're seeing their guys walking around, looking at their charts. Make so like Iserman, like Eiserman oh, Al Murray, their whole staff, everybody's That's there. That's so bizarre out, that you would do that out yeah, in the open like Out that. in the open, out in the public. And, and granted, it, you know, NHL draft, it's a little different where you're drafting 18-year-old kids that aren't going to play most likely for several years outside the top. Yeah, a little field. more like baseball. Yeah, it's more yeah, a it's, it's, yeah. You know, it's, so it's not quite the – you know, it's not as big nearly as the NFL draft, but, it's, it's, but now, it's a stark contrast where, you know, I remember a couple of years ago, the Lightning were getting ready to trade a pick and Steve Dumig and I are sitting there watching this and we're on the air with uh, the Lightning radio network and we could tell the trade was coming. Oh, wow. It was obvious, the motion, and then they were going over to another team's table to talk and then they came That's back. That's what's so bizarre. They're checking, that, that they're would, checking yeah. charts, they're checking their books, they've got the laptops out and, you know, we're sitting there going, they're making a trade. I don't know what it is, but they're making a trade. And sure enough, they did. And you, you could see it coming 10 minutes ahead of time. Could you imagine
1: if they, if they did that in the NFL and, like, the Browns GM walks over to the Giants, you know, and then he walks over to Jason Light, and you're like, whoa, well, what's twi- going Twitter on, would eh? explode. Well, to be honest with you, I could see that happening one day. And I only say that because they want to grow this draft mm-hmm. to unprecedented levels. You know what they want to – like, this, this is the best comparison I've heard – you know already there's going to be um, more than one network. You know, you used to be ESPN, then NFL Network got in a little bit. You're going to have more and more. They're going to this thing will be covered in a perfect world, according to the NFL. This will be covered like a Democratic or Republican National Convention, mm-hmm. where you'll have reporters on the floor saying, "I just went over here. I was talking to the Browns," and I think the only way you could do that. Is to have the little have risers there. with yeah. with yeah. the with the you know little logo and you got to have like you do in the NHL and could you see that spectacle where they're like literally in real time uh, going back and forth on the red phones and talking to each other and walking over and you know uh, Goodell pounding the gavel and bringing the convention to order and you know I could see it sort of parroting God I said parrot by the way because uh, that's who's going to make the Bucks' third pick. Boy, more on that later. But I, I could see this may becoming like the Republican or Democratic National Convention. Really rude. All right, I'll say I've, it. I've covered a couple of those, and those are cool, too. That would be fun. It would be neat. I'll say it. The Bucks. in case you haven't heard, Greg Allman wrote a great little piece about this. But, uh, you know, every year they try to find wackier ways in different people to go ahead and announce, beyond the first-round pick, of course, which Goodell announces. But you know, the team could then have somebody go up there and make the selection for them. And you've seen Derek Brooks do it and different people. Well this year, um, I think it's is it their fourth round pick, I believe? One of their later round picks, uh, they're actually gonna have a parrot, a real live parrot.
2: Polly wanna cracker?
1: Polly wanna sacker? Polly wanna sacker? Yeah. The good thing is is that if they don't hear him the first time, he'll have no trouble repeating the pick. <laughs> actually he's not gonna say who the pick is, he is going, from my understanding, he's going to carry sort of like a carrier pigeon, if you will, carry like the selection in his beak or something like that. No, that. Why do that one they just have a carrier pigeon do it? I know, right? It's I, I mean, the pigeon the pigeon union is up in arms about this or up in wings about this. Um, but I, w- <laughs> I would think that somehow they're using this because a parrot goes with a pirate. You know, it's that whole thing. Yo-ho-ho ho, and a bottle of rum. So um, the parrot is going to fly The parrot's name is Jaja, by the way, which is an old, old name. Jaja Gabor, Mm -hmm. if you are in the the Gabor, never mind. It's way too hard to. Ah, of some um, Berman now. Uh, Jaja, whose whose sister, uh, younger sister Ava, of course, was on Green Acres, and she preferred Park Avenue, which is uh, where the NFL uh, headquarters are. So there you go. Um, But uh, Jaja is is the name of the bird. It's going to fly the pick over. This thing's gotten weird. Even weirder was that Jeff Garcia announced on Twitter that he was honored beyond belief to uh, been chosen to um, to give and you know announce the Bucks' third round selection. Until he was then reminded by Greg Allman that actually, right now, as it stands, the Bucks don't have a third round selection. At which point, Jeff got all up in sense. He said, "Well, I don't care about the draft anyway. I have a life, you know." Like what? It was just weird, man. He, we, from me, was honored to. I don't care, you know. Don't turn this into. He said something. Like, don't turn this into something show. I don't know. It was crazy, but we'll see what happens. Where was I? I think we're done with the draft as far as that goes for right now. But I did want to say that uh, the the Rays were supposed to be in action last night. They got rained out, and so they're going to make that up against the Baltimore Orioles uh, on May twelfth in a uh, legitimate, real doubleheader, which two games start... for the price of one. Yeah, which is the old-fashioned way, which is really cool, instead of clearing the stadium out. And that would start around 3 o'clock, I guess, 3.05 on May 12th. Um, tonight, however, they're just going to bump everybody up as far as the pitchers go, 7.05. Uh, Jake Peria is going to go against Alex Cobb, the former Ray. So uh, be on hand for that, assuming, you know, weather permitting. It was really bad weather in the Northeast. Um, you know, certainly on Tuesday. When hasn't there been bad weather in the
2: northeast this spring? Oh,
1: God, it's just been awful. just been awful. I mean, at least it's a little warmer now. It's a little warmer of a rain than it was uh, instead of snow, which is what you would have as a, as a blizzard a week ago. But, um, yeah, just just really been awful for those teams and the people that have to go up there and play. I did want to say that um, I'm very disappointed in people. That It doesn't take much for me to do that. To get disappointed, but you know I covered this game on Sunday just real quickly. Carlos Gomez with the walk off home run, and he, did he Cadillac it around? Yes. Did he bat flip? Yes. I mean it was a dramatic. First of all, to set this. I mean they, this game was kind of back and forth. You know the Rays led two nothing, then they were trailing, and then they got the lead six to three, and it was six to four, and then boom in the ninth inning, you know, um, they give a two run homer, so it's a tie game. And Carlos Gomez has been scuffling at the plate like nobody's business. He was 2-for-38, for gosh sakes. And he had gone 0-for-4 with three strikeouts. After the second strikeout, he literally broke the bat over his leg. He was so frustrated. And, you know, the guy's been taking a gazillion balls in batting practice, but he looked horrible. He's swinging at balls that were in the dirt and taking strikes down the middle. Well, he gets up there in the ninth inning with a runner on, and they give him the hit-away sign. And, I mean, it was a no doubt about it, a guy – Threw a pitch right middle, middle, and he hit it a mile. And, you know, he did the whole look to his his dugout, not Mm -hmm. the Twins' dugout. Looked to his dugout, stuck out his tongue, was very happy. Took him a little while to get around the bases. Did the whole Ray Lewis thing coming into home plate. I don't know if you caught that or not. Mm -hmm. Did the whole Ray Lewis uh, sort of thing and got showered. And his teammates were generally excited, and the the 12,000 or so people that were there were going crazy. And it was – you know, for Carlos, when you, when and, and here's the other thing. He had played damn near 1,350 games in his career, 12 seasons, had never had a walk-off home run, had never had a walk-off anything, not a hit, not a walk-off walk, not a pass ball, nothing. So he was pretty excited uh, about it. And I got mail from people, and I know, you know, typically when this happens, um, you know, you'll get some people going, yeah, this is, you know act like you've been there, sort of, you know, this is Bush League, what was that sort of thing. But these things, this one guy, and it, this was this was not really that unusual compared to the emails I got. This one guy goes, enough of the baboon trot around the bases. Like, really? I mean, these these sort of racially tinged words and just, I don't know, I'm just over it. And I think, you know, we went through this a few years ago with the Joy Baptista bat flip and all that. If it's spontaneous, if it's, if it's emotional, if it's not, you know, premeditated per se, and, and you're in the moment, I think it's exciting. And I think one reason that baseball is having trouble is there's too damn many people, and look, i played it my whole life, but there's too many people who say, well, that's not the way you do it. You know, the book says, or, you know, you're showing up this team. or, And he didn't. He didn't show up. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think
2: he was. He wasn't showing. I mean, if he was stared at the pitcher. If he looked in the twins' dugout, um, right? You know, it, it, and who cares how long it takes to get around the bases on a walk-off? The visiting team can leave, and they did. It's, it's, it's not like you. it's the sixth inning and you're sitting there on the mound waiting for him to finish it. No, no. Um, and they
1: they were out of that. The catcher was in the dugout before he left home plate. That the catcher knew immediately that ball was gone. Uh, Everybody in the ballpark. I mean, we yeah. were there, we were there. It was it oh, was, was no doubt. Yeah, 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 for sure. So I don't. I just don't get it, man. What is what is it with people? You know, like what you can't you can't take a little bit of flair, a little bit of excitement, a little spontaneity, like you know, this this is why baseball has trouble. I really believe that. There's too damn many people that like think they know how the game should be played. Well, you know what? If the game keeps being played that way, ain't nobody gonna watch it because they're already losing the audience, they're already, you know, trying to speed it up. Um, you know, these people that are in their sixties now, um, you know, aren't going to have a generation beneath them to keep the game alive. So, you know, and there's also a cultural aspect to it with respect to how Latin players, you know, celebrate home runs or big plays or the flair that they put on, you know, the way they play the game is different than the the way some people in this country play it, but it's still great baseball and they're fantastic players. I don't know. I, that's my soapbox. I just, I've gone through this before with the Joey Baptista thing, and I just thought it was really – there's some, some letters that I don't even want to share with you. They're just so mean-spirited. All right, so tonight you want to watch uh, the Toronto-Boston game because, of course, the Lightning play the winner of Game 7. That's at 7.30 tonight. And then uh, the round two of the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning series will be on Saturday. Either way, no matter who wins, if, if it turns out that Boston wins the game – then the Tampa Bay Lightning will play at 3 p.m. on Saturday at Amelie Arena. And if it's Toronto, they're going to play uh, the night game at 8 p.m. So that's really all you need to know uh, about that. I still think,
2: Steve, that they're going to – they will never say this, but you got to be the Lightning or big Toronto fans, right? Boston's been a house of horrors for them traditionally over mm-hmm. the, you know, the course of the franchise. Toronto, they seem to have had their number a little better, and they see, it seems like it's a better matchup personnel-wise for the Lightning Um, But Mm -hmm. the Lightning, you know, I mean, they played Boston the last week of the season and shut them out for nothing, played a really great game. I mean, you know, the Lightning are good enough where if they play their game, they're they're good enough to beat anybody. That's true. Um, You know, and that's what I think in the New Jersey series you saw is, you know, let's stop worrying about the other team. Let's do what we need to do. Puck possession, four checking, stop turning the puck over. And they dominated that series, all five games. They won four of them, but they dominated all five.
1: There are a handful. So, who do you think wins this game? Because I saw where I think Tuka Rask is like one in three in game sevens. Like, he hasn't had a great record in game seven.
2: He hasn't. And Toronto's, you know, they were down 3 1 in the series. They won at Boston in game five, they won at home in game six. Um, You know, Boston in these games has been getting behind and then, you know, turning it on late, but it's been not enough. Uh, I still think Boston wins this game. It isn't TD Garden in Boston, but, you know, it's far from a, a, a sure thing. Because there's a lot of pressure on Boston right now,
1: as they like they've given something away almost. They've they've let it slip away from them. But anyway, we'll know shortly. We'll know tonight, um, probably about what 10 o'clock, something like that.
2: Yeah, seven thirty uh, puck drop, so ten, ten fifteen ish. We should know, assuming it doesn't go to overtime. Which game seven right. overtimes are phenomenal.
1: Oh God, and they could. Yeah, I mean there there is really nothing more exciting than that when it's do or die, and somebody's going home and. Um. yeah, I'm sure the Lightning are hoping they play about three overtimes. In fact, that would be good for them. I never grew hey, up let's... a hockey
2: fan, but I remember I was in college. Um, I can't even tell you. I know one of the teams that was in it. It was a game seven, a uh, game late at night. I was at home. It was like uh, it was early summer, so it was late in the playoffs. Uh, I was home. I was watching TV late, and it was Vancouver and somebody else playing a game seven overtime. And it went on several overtimes, and it was phenomenal. I couldn't stop watching it. I, I watched a little hockey, but I wasn't a huge fan. I wasn't, you know, I didn't watch it a lot. And man, I mean, there's nothing more exciting than that. and it, no matter what sport, game seven overtimes phenomenal.
1: Yeah, just sudden death. The just the sudden deathness of it all, and how they can go up and down the ice from one second to the next. So that's that's pretty cool. So we're almost there to round two. And uh, listen, we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we're here Monday through Friday, as you know. We've got the draft coming up on Thursday, of course, and we're going to have previews of uh, that round two, whoever it's against between the Lightning, Toronto, or Boston. We'll be talking to some folks about that game as well. Um, But we want you to uh, interact with us as much as you can. We like the mailbags. We like the questions that you had tonight. And you can reach us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at
2: TampaBay.com. We want you to rate and review this podcast, Steve, and where can they do that? Anywhere you get your podcast, whether you subscribe through iTunes or Google Play, maybe it's Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, you can rate and review the podcast there at Always, or you can go to TampaBay.com slash sports, the latest episodes there, and feel free to like it there, too. So, keep it right here. Check back with us tomorrow. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times for Steve Versnick.
1: Have a great Wednesday, everybody.